play by Robinson. Look at oh. that. Oh. Craig T in the morning. What a play. Well, he does it in big games. Watch this play. 33-year-old Brooke Robinson going to his right for this one. He goes better to his left than the right, but how can you beat this? And getting a ball away off balance and still there, even though on a bounce. Well, in the 1970 World Series, probably the first World Series I actually remember when I was 10 years old at the time, uh, Brooks Robinson had, I mean, he hit 429 in the series. He had two homers against the Cincinnati Reds. He had one of, if not the greatest defensive uh, World Series uh, a player has had. He uh, won 16 consecutive gold gloves. He was an 18-time All-Star. And uh, Brooks Robinson, uh, his family, and the Baltimore Orioles announced uh, just a few minutes ago, Brooks Robinson has passed away at the age of 86. And um, I I can tell you this. Well, let's bring on John Paul Morosi, the MLB Network, joining us. John, thanks so much for joining joining us in Blair and Barker. I was about to say, if you haven't seen Mark Belanger and Brooks Robinson, if you never got a chance to see them play, it's the best left side of the infield I've ever seen in baseball. And, you know, it was in the 70s, but Robinson's third in all-time in career defensive war, and Belanger is second. That pretty much tells you how good that side of the infield was. It does, Jeff and Kevin, and it's certainly a, it's a sad day for the baseball family because we've lost one of the all-time greats, truly one of the inner circle great Hall of Fame players. And, and you reference that 1970 World Series, and I think on any highlight reel that we look at that explains why we love the game or plays that stand out in, in, in the indelible memories of, of baseball – it is that play of Brooks Robinson raging to his right, Lee May of the Reds at the plate, and he throws that dart across the field. This is one of the most brilliant plays we've ever seen in a World Series. Of course, later on in that game, it's a big home run. Mm-hmm. And, and that World Series, so many Hall of Famers on each side, Robinson and Robinson for the Orioles. You've got the big red machine on the other side of the ballpark. And, and I just think, Jeff and Kevin, that, that play was more than 50 years ago. I was not yet alive when that play happened, and I've still seen it a thousand times. And that's one of the things that I think how you know that you're an all-time great, it's that more than 50 years later, we're still talking about that play and the man who made it and and the significance of all that he did. I think, too, guys, and, and you know this, Kevin, from all, all the time you spent in clubhouses, whenever you see a great play made by a third baseman, in, in modern times, whether it's, Arenado or Beltre, you would say it's the greatest play or he has a chance to be among the greats and the name that you always reference is Brooks Brooks Robinson. Robinson. And I think that 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 is that to me is the measure of the man. I I met him once years ago at a professional scouts event and just the the grace that he carried with him always. uh, He is impossible to replace in our baseball family, and certainly uh, my, my prayers with his family today. Yeah, and, uh, and uh, of course, there's the famous interview with Sparky Anderson after that World Series where he comes over to the, the Reds manager, comes over to the Orioles dugout, and, and, and uh, paraphrasing him, he said, 
Uh, Brooks Robinson belongs in heaven, not here in the ground. <laughs> and uh, it's just a classic, awesome. a, a classic moment for Sparky Anderson to go into the other team's clubhouse to congratulate uh, a, a player. And he, he really was. He was, uh, it was a measuring stick for defensive. JP, I was, I was quickly scrolling through his numbers and I saw 22 seasons. He only punched out 80 times yes. once. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, ama- it's amazing how the errors are so different and, you know, the, the emphasis uh, hitters were putting on, you got to put the ball in play. You won't be a Hall of Famer. You won't be really good. You won't be one of the greats. It starts with putting the ball in play. I just found that amusing that 22 season, you only punched out 80 times one time. Pretty cool. Well, that's a, that's a great point, Kevin. And, and that's where, you know, in, in this week around Major League Baseball, it is remarkable as we talk about some of the greats who are either definitely retiring or possibly retiring. You've got Cabrera in Detroit, Votto in Cincinnati. You know, those two guys in their own era, and again, I'm not sure how many guys were necessarily throwing 100 miles an hour all the time back Mm -hmm. in the 70s or the 60s, but the point remains, Kevin, that that if you want to stand out in this era, put the ball in play. And and Joey Votto did that, I think, better than most every one of his peers, as did Miguel Cabrera, as did Buster Posey, who retired uh, a couple years ago. So I, I think it's important to reflect why are we talking about these players in this way and why is Joey Votto being recognized and cheered for in the way that he was in Cincinnati and why is Miguel Cabrera going to be similarly received in in Detroit this weekend well to your point Kevin they had the special skill in their era and in this era those who put the ball in play successfully truly stand out John I know you're in Seattle I ask you a simple question are the Mariners choking Ooh. Uh, it's a very nervous city, and I, I'm speaking to you. I'm literally standing outside, it, and Jeff and Kevin, you've been standing right where I'm standing right now many times before the intersection of First and Edgar Martinez Drive right outside yes. of T-Mobile Park, yep. and uh, it's a very nervous uh, situation right now. I, I think that when you consider where, where this team is and their amount of concern, they have not led a game since last Wednesday in Oakland. They have played four consecutive games they have, of course, lost all four, but they have not even held a lead in four straight games. I don't know so much that they are choking, to use the word. They're just just—they're not playing good baseball right now. They at least won the games against Oakland. I think that what we're seeing now is a team that is availing itself to be not as good as certainly I thought they were. And I also think their young pitching is running out of steam. You know, last night was a night where Luis Castillo had to be brilliant. He was going up against Verlander, who was magnificent into the ninth inning. And I think that when you consider the way that the, the young pitching staff has honestly not been able to answer the bell, I think that's your answer. The offensive has not come up either. And right now at the moment, you would have to say they're behind where the Astros are, both certainly in the standings, but also on the field. They're behind where the Rangers are both in the standings and on the field. They're, they're right now in this in this three or this four team race for three spots. They're very clearly the fourth team and certainly Jays fans know they look at the Mariners right now and I think uh, Toronto fans are rightly feeling pretty comfortable. JP Scott Service make it through this and has he done everything possible 
to help them along with this, with all the things you just said that they're not good at, right? Occasionally a manager, I've been in a bunch of rooms with managers. It's hard, right? If your best players are not being your best players, but we've seen John Schneider here do whatever he wants to do to the lineup to, to sort of spark it, to at least say to his team, we're going to give this the old college try no matter what. Scott Service doing that, you think, with the Seattle? I, I do, I, and I think that even if they don't make the playoffs, he will He will survive this. I, I think at the end of the day, when your pitching is this young, you have to expect that at some point they're going to be on fumes in September, and they are, uh, and that's that's the case. There was the back and forth with George Kirby, which I do think is important context on, on where this season is going and, and what perhaps we might see from him tonight. I mean, this is, this is the start of his year tonight. Kirby tonight. Bryce Miller tomorrow, let's see what the kids have. And, of course, there was the back and forth. Did he want to be in the game? Did he not want to be in the game? Should he have called out his manager the way that he did? I, I think, in, in general, Scott Service has done a remarkable job with this team. When you look at just getting them back to the playoffs last year, they're a couple plays away from making it a very, very different um, American League Division Series against the Astros. But fascinating, you know, and I'm a loyal listener of of you guys on Blue Jays talk after the games. It is remarkable that, that Kevin, I I listen to you a lot, and and it might be after a tough Jays loss, and and we talk about the inability to make an adjustment. And sure enough, last night against Verlander, I'm watching the Mariner broadcast, and it was as if I, I was hearing Kevin Barker's voice in Seattle, it's like, this lineup is not making the adjustments. I was like, oh, my goodness, i got to call Kevin right now because it's the same thing that I've heard on, on your show a lot. So I, I, I think it's, it's young lineups, and I, and I do think to an extent this team, the Mariners, they are, they are relying so much on, on Julio Rodriguez. When he is on his game, they're one of the best teams in baseball. When he's not, they just don't have that, that middle-of-the-order Big time lefty bat, from what I can see, that gives them balance and a chance to to have the, the big points on the board. Look at last night's game here in Seattle. It was Alvarez, it was Tucker, two big time lefty bats who were the difference. And I just think that Seattle, as they look towards the future, they've got to find a way to get a little bit more offense in the middle of this lineup as their pitching develops one more year forward. But I, I make all this point to say, Toronto's team right now is much more in their winning window than Seattle's roster. Hmm. Okay, I'll ask you the same thing I think I asked somebody a couple of days ago. Can the Blue Jays win the World Series, or uh, let me rephrase that, make a run into the playoffs with Kevin Biggio hitting cleanup? Well, it's it's certainly a unique construct, no doubt. And, and obviously getting Brandon Belt back today is massive. And, and we'll see certainly how much... Um, how many games Brandon's able to play from a physical standpoint, performance standpoint, all of those elements there. Uh, I, can they win the World Series with Kevin batting cleanup? I, I wouldn't have said that the Jays designed it that way in spring training, <laughs> but we have seen teams have to get creative uh, at different points. I, I would go back, uh, again, you compare this team, and I've done it before, look at, that, look at that lineup that the 2010 Giants won the World Series with. You had Aubrey Huff and Pat Burrell in the middle of it and a young Buster Posey. That was not a great lineup. It really wasn't. They just got the right performances from the right players at the right time, but they did it. They won that World Series because of guys named Lincecum and Kane and Bumgarner, and, and that's the way the Jays have to win it now. I, I've been impressed, honestly, with the way that the Jays have recovered over the last week. I think Vladdy has answered some critics with the way that he has played, um, and this is one of those cases where 
when you have to play tense baseball down the stretch just to get in, sometimes you become a dangerous team because you're used to playing under playoff pressure. The Jays get in, and then let's say they win game one of a series, they're going to be the most relaxed they've been in about a month. And, and relaxed teams in October are dangerous. And, and so I, I think that it, it just takes the right amount of, of, of power, the right amount of uh, just uh, if they can adjust just a little bit, Kevin, to, to use the, 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 the talk that you've had a lot about the inability to adjust during games. If they can just get the hang of it often enough and put a couple of cricket numbers on the board, they're pitching just fine. I mean, and, and remember, they're going to benefit from the additional rest days that you get during October with the key arms like Romano and Hicks. I mean, I, I think the, the Jays, they showed a ton to me. But when you, you lose that game in, in a walk-off over the weekend and come back and win the next day, it says a lot about your character. Yep. And, and I think that the Jays have been tested in a lot of ways in the last couple of weeks, and they've answered pretty favorably in a way that, honestly, not a lot of other teams in the American League are. And, and the broad point that I would make right now is that all the years I've covered the playoffs, I can't recall an American League being this wide open in a long time. Maybe going back to 06, the Tigers made it there after not being in the playoffs for a couple of decades and, and surprised some people. It's a, it's a pretty wide open American League right now, and I think that certainly advantages the Blue Jays. You know, even before the Jays took two or three from Tampa, I was trying to convince people that if I had my druthers, I would, uh, I would rather face... Tampa Bay than Minnesota in the playoffs for a variety of reasons. One of them, Minnesota generally does pretty well against Gossman. And two, I just, I'd rather play in an enclosed environment where, you know, all things being equal, my major strength, which has been my defense and my pitching, you know, that doesn't have to worry about any outside influences, wind, rain, cold, whatever it is. Who do you think the Jays would have a better chance against right now? Tampa. I think you're spot on. I, 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 I've Plus been they're hurt, for a of course. Days. I forgot to mention yeah, that. Right, right. I mean, I think, that, I think that Minnesota is a dangerous team right now. Uh, I, I like their pitching. Uh, I think Lopez is having a year that's going to put them in on some Cy Young ballots, and Sonny Gray is as well. Their lineup is starting to pick things up at a very opportune time. They should get healthier here in the coming days. Correa, uh, Lewis, Kepler, I think, has had a pretty good second half. Polanco's, I think, a better player than people realize. Uh, they just added Chris Paddock back to their bullpen. And they, it's like the opposite there. It's, they've had the ability to, to set up their pitching just as they want to because they've known for weeks they're going to win the division. They've basically known their entire schedule to begin the playoffs for a couple weeks now. And I think that, that in some way that probably does advantage them. I agree about playing in the cold. Uh, you know, Minnesota, as we know uh, from having covered the game as long as we have, I mean, they have not had a lot of playoff success in 20 years. In fact, they've had zero, as in zero games won since the 2004 ALDS. But uh, I, I think that that streak is due to end. Uh, th- this team, I think, is better than people realize. And, and I think the familiarity for the Jays with Tampa's pitching. You know, Tampa, remember, I think the key thing about that team is, is they – they throw a lot of different looks at you and, and they become a little bit less, a little bit less formidable, a little bit less mysterious, the more often that you face them. And, and the, the Jays have faced them an awful lot. They've also faced them recently. And I think that recent look is going to be 
crucial where if the, if the Jays face Tampa in the first round, I do like their chances more uh, than if they face Minnesota and certainly Texas, you know, they were looks like they were lost for a while. Now they've really bounced back and had uh, a tremendous run of form the last week or so. So I think it's going to be a really fun American league. I mean, certainly no, no easy opponents, but I, I agree Jeff with your premise that if I'm the Jays, I would welcome a matchup against Tampa Bay. JP, maybe you just answered this, but if you had to bet that big giant check you get once a month, between between these teams, Texas, the Jays, the Rays, the Astros, and the Twins, which one's the best team out of those? Not a betting man, Kevin, and, and, and the check certainly isn't giant, but I'll answer the question anyway. <laughs> I, I'll still say this. I, I, I think the Astros have to be the team that you look to until someone proves otherwise. Me too. And, and, and you know, I, I realize that they they just got swept by Kansas City, but darn it, this is like the, the San Antonio Spurs uh, for forever in mm. basketball. It's like, look, this is the team that just knows how to win games when the leaves turn brown. That's just that's how they play. The, it, their ballpark gets really loud at this time of year. And again, we talk about balance. How many other teams have two significant lefty bats like Alvarez and Tucker? I, I, there's just not that many out there that, with two guys like that. And, and Bregman, we talk about guys that, that, that have selectivity at the plate. Kevin, I looked at this recently. He's one of a handful of, of significant bats in the sport with more walks and strikeouts. Yeah. And, and I know Bregman's a controversial guy uh, going back six years, but the dude hits in October. I think he's got an OPS above 800 uh, in October. Altuve does as well. And, and before anybody says it, a lot of that damage came after 2018 and 19. They keep hitting no matter what. And, and they, have, they have answered the bell. I mean, I, I, all I know is that I've seen, and it wasn't just 2017, I've seen a lot of playoff games in Houston in my career, and the Astros have won a, 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 a lot of them. So uh, I, I think for me, they're, they're a team that I think is, is still very dangerous at this time of year. John, uh, Terry Francona, just uh, told his players apparently today the worst kept secret in baseball that he's not coming back to manage the Cleveland Guardians. Um, who, who are some names we should? I, I, it's really early. I get that, but who are some names we should keep an eye on for the Guardians' job? And you know, based on what we've seen of the Guardians, especially that young pitching, I take that job. Oh. <laughs> Someone offered it to me. I take it. Vision? No, no question. You're, you're right. Uh, and I, a couple things that stand out there. Number one, uh, first of all, it's going to be amazing. I'll be back in Detroit this weekend. So you'll have Miguel Cabrera's final game and Terry mm. Francona's final game on the same day. That's right. Sunday. It's going to be a remarkable scene in Detroit. Of course, Terry uh, coached for a year uh, for the Tigers. So he's got a lot of connections there to the Detroit organization. But um, big picture, I, I think the first name I would mention with Cleveland is DeMarlo Hale. Uh, you know him well from Toronto as well. DeMarlo's been on the staff. In Cleveland, I think he's been a, a, a ready major league manager for a long time, immensely respected in the game. He's been the acting manager for the Guardians when, when Terry's been away because of health reasons. I, I, I don't want to put words in Terry's mouth, but I, I just know how much Terry respects DeMarlo, and I would expect that if that question came up that there'd be a strong endorsement, uh, just what, uh, what DeMarlo was meant to Terry personally and what DeMarlo means to the organization. So DeMarlo really is the – for me, I would say better than 50% chance of getting that job as far as I'm concerned. Uh, now, I would also point out that we'll see what happens there with the Guardians front office. Do, do either Chris Antonetti or Mike Chernoff go to Boston and take that job? Would that have any impact mm. on, on how things play out there? But I just have a strong belief that that, that should be 
DeMarlo Hale's job. I think there are, there are a lot of really good candidates out there. Is does, does Don Kelly get a look at some point? He's been on the Pittsburgh staff for a while. Uh, Joe McEwing. There's, there's guys that have been around in, in bench coach roles kind of waiting for that opportunity. Vance Wilson's one more name in Kansas City. But I, I, I tend to think that's, that's going to be DeMarlo Hale's job. And, and I still think that there's going to be a lot of intrigue based on the way the other openings might be filled around the sport. You know, keep a close eye on San Diego. A lot of reports there recently about some internal uh, differences of opinion, let's say, between A.J. Preller and Bob Melvin. Bob Melvin, a three-time manager of the year. If all of a sudden he's a free agent, what does that mean? So stay tuned. I think next week is going to be busy across the industry. Mm. John, we're going to let you go. Enjoy the game tonight. Yeah. Thanks so much. Have fun. But my pleasure, guys. Always enjoy the conversation and keep up all the great work. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a loyal listener, oh. and I, I keep thinking, you know, the, the Jays eventually, they're going to be able to adjust mid-game just like Kevin says, and, and it sounds like it, guys. They've been listening to Kevin the last couple of days or so. I, I think they're making the adjustment, Kevin. I'll take credit I'll for just, it, we'll for just, sure. We'll just call, we'll call you John from Ann Arbor. <laughs> From now on, how about that? Loyal listener, John from Ann Arbor calling in. You know, I, I one of these days I'll just drive up the QEW and, and call you guys from there just, just, to, just to be awesome. even more authentic. <laughs> Take care, man. Be well. That's awesome. All the best, guys. See you, buddy. Thanks there so you much. go. Thanks. Russ in New Jersey. John in Ann Arbor. Um, we've been giving you the chance to win Blue Jays tickets all season long here in Blair and Barker, whether you listen on the radio or on our podcast. All you have to do is text the correct answer to our daily baseball trivia question to 59590. Our last trivia question and answer was which two pitchers started games one and two for the Blue Jays in the 2020 wildcard series against the Rays. Hyunjin Ryu was one of them. Congratulations if you got Matt Shoemaker without needing to Google it, because I wouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. Today's question is to win tickets to see the Jays and Rays down at the Rogers Center on September 30th. Hmm. Name the Blue Jay who hit two home runs against the Rays in their only postseason meeting. I'd have got this. Sad to to say, I wouldn't have. No. I'd have to think about it a great mm. deal, which makes no... Give I, him a hint. I, I saw it. No, 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 no. Don't hint. Don't hint. Mm. Don't hint. Name the Blue Jay who hit... Come on. Name the Blue Jay who hit two Man, home runs against the Rays in their only postseason meeting. Um, I guess I could say there's a catch to this answer. You can text the answer to 590-590 for your shot to win. Oh, See rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. Uh, after you yelled at me. I didn't yell. And then you did that. I didn't yell. Yeah. I didn't yell. Yeah, yeah. Name the Blue Jay who hit two home runs against the Royals in their only postseason meeting. Talks, Text the answer to 590-590 for your shot to win. Talks to bats, too. See rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. It'd be great to see DeMarlo Hale get the uh, Cleveland job. That'd be great. He's I, such I, a he's, – he's just he's, – He's a good man. He's a real good man. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's a good person. He's, you know, I think this, this day and age, that's what teams with young pitching need. Yes. Yes. That they need a guy that Absolutely. they can walk up to and go, hey, Skip, how you doing today? Yeah. When I used to play, you weren't really doing that. Well, and DeMarlo's also, you know, DeMarlo has, has, has coached in organizations that are pretty analytics heavy. Like, De- DeMarlo's an old school guy, but I think he's... I think he's an old school guy who's kind of comfortable in that ton, world. I would just, I would, talent. Yeah, I would love yeah. it. It's such a... You know, I'm not going to oversell him, it, 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 but in that division and with that pitching, healthy Bieber, oof, oh, buddy, 
with that young stuff, him at the top of that, and uh, and the dude closing, fight, fighting for a deal because he's you know he's free agent soon, and the dude closing. I mean, it, you you that dude playing third, like they got some things. It just would you fill in the blank somewhere else? By the like, way, other than that guy playing third, ain't I thought he, you 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 saw the uh, winter ball deal over the weekend, eh? What was that? Vladdy and uh, Jose Ramirez were traded for each other. Yeah. Escajito and um, yeah, yeah, I've been there. Ah, Tor- is there a Toros? Absolutely. Yeah, Escajito been, and Toros. I've been traded like four times. Yeah, in because what, for people who don't know, in winter ball, a lot of times before the Caribbean series, yeah. they'll move dudes. Like if the yeah, team's out of it. One team, one team doesn't make it, which you're playing for. The other yeah. team did. Yeah. You got to give up something to get something. Huh? Yeah. What, be- what better way? Babe Ruth. Thad Levine is senior VP and general manager of the Minnesota Twins. He'll join us next. It's Blair and Barker. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, 7, uh, 10, 707, whenever. First pitch will it be. It ain't 710. It ain't never been 710. Oh, 707, then, whatever. You said just keep keep the, uh, keep the, keep, I was going to say keep the dial. No one uses a dial. Stay on the station. The baseball game will follow us. 705. Oh, you get 707 at. Well, be, I mean, who the hell knows? It's 707. Yeah, they're all 07. you right here. It says 705. I'm looking right. I ain't that blind. Well, 705. Well, what does it say the time was of the last home game? Holy moly. The last home weeknight game. Set 137. The last home weeknight game. What does it say the time was of the last home weeknight game? 707. There you go. Why is it 705? I don't know. Maybe they're trying to shortchange the Yankees. But anyhow, stay here. 7 o'clock. You'll hear Ben Wagner's voice. You'll go, oh, that means there's a baseball game, the first of three between the Jays and Yankees tonight, followed by a three-game series Wait, against the Tampa Bay Rays. It is 7 tonight. I was looking at and the Yankees you, on the road. You want to bore them? So it's getting. You want to bore them? It's getting out of control. Bore the glasses? Yeah, absolutely. You see how far I had, away I had to put that? For those of you who don't know, we have a constant struggle with Kevin mm-hmm. when it comes to, like, reading game notes and that because he needs them magnified 5,000. Actually, all the notes I need right here. Uh, well, we've kind of had a, a lot of fun the past couple of days going back and forth about who the Jays would match up best against in the uh, wild card. You said you're scared of the Twins. I well, well that's what you said. Well, I am. I, that, I absolutely right. And and, I, and give me credit. I was saying I didn't want any part of the Twins. Um, that's true. I didn't want any part of the Twins uh, before the series against Tampa when the Jays yeah. won two of three. Um, and, uh, it's just, I, I just don't, they've got the division. They get a chance to get guys healthy, get a chance to get guys lined up. I just think they're been a really good team. And sometimes we look at them and go, ah, they had the central and, but, uh, that is not the case. Thad Levine is senior VP and general manager of the Minnesota twins. He joins us on Blair and Barker. Thad, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I admit I am scared of your team and I was, I mean, I'm, I'm happy cause I've told people I grew up in Manitoba. I'm a twins fan. I still have got my little twins hat that I wear every now and then. 
a couple of things. First of all, I wanted to I, I wanted to congratulate you about for finally figuring out a way to get the New York Yankees eliminated. Because that to me <laughs> is one of the most important things a Twins general manager has done in my lifetime. No question. Well, for, for, first of all, uh, the the first few times when I've been here and we made the playoffs, people kind of treated us like, oh, it's kind of cute that the the little old Twins are in the playoffs. So. Our, our aspiration was to have somebody be fearful of us in the playoffs, and I, I know it's uh, far, far afield from the guys on the field, but right now it's, uh, it's refreshing to hear. And I, I think the, uh, the specter of having the Yankees in the playoffs, I'm sure you guys feel it. We certainly have. Our franchise has been dismissed by them far too often, but certainly a unique dynamic in the American League East this year, guys, to have both Boston and New York on the outside looking up at – three teams above them, all of whom are going to be playoff bound who are in their very division. Yeah. It's the giftiest of gift horses we've seen in the <laughs> AL East in some time. That is true. It is that I got, I got a question as I, obviously you guys are sort of, at least for me, when I look at your team based around some pitching, but in the second half, I know, you know, you guys are starting to rake a little, right? It's it, just in September, your third in OPS, your fifth in average, your third in homers, your first in runs. How do you how have you yeah. been able to do that as a lineup basically on an everyday basis since the All Star break? Well, you know, I, I think best laid plans when you when you build a team, you have a vision of what it can achieve, uh, but sometimes the season unfolds differently than what you expect. And when we started the season, I think we were very optimistic about our pitching, but we were very confident that our that our offense would be pretty dynamic, and and really got up to a slow start. And I think we weren't alone. I think I think you guys were another team that had talent all over the field, but somehow the sum of the parts just weren't really adding up offensively like they had it in the past or like they expected. And, you know, interestingly, I think going into the season, teams probably looked at you guys and us as a little bit more offensively focused. And lo and behold, it's been the pitching that has been kind of the backbone of the success of these two franchises. But the offense is coming on at the right time for both teams. And and I think we feel as if we've been so very fortunate our our complimentary veterans have done an excellent job, guys like Donovan Solano and Willie Castro and Michael A. Taylor and Kyle Farmer. They've been huge for us. And then we've had just this swell of, of younger players, uh, some of whom are rookies, some of whom are guys who have less than a year of major league service who've come up and really started anchoring our, our, our lineup. Now, the, the curious part for us and the reason we didn't get off to the start we were hoping for was uh, Jorge Polanco missed a lot of the first half of the season and then uh, Byron Buxton and Carlos Correa and Max Kepler didn't get off to the starts that they expected. The good news is Max has had a tremendous second half. Jorge Polanco is healthy now, playing extremely well. And what we're hoping for is that we're going to get healthy again uh, with Byron Buxton and or uh, Carlos Correa coming back before the end of the season with guys like Royce Lewis. So if we can get healthy at the right time, I think we're going to be a challenge for teams in the playoffs. Uh, but I think that probably goes for a lot of teams out there right now that are trying to gear up to win in October. You know, Dad, I don't know if I've seen a trade that has worked out as well for both teams like the Pablo Lopez and, mm-hmm. and Luis Arias deal did. Um, I, that took a lot of stones to make that deal, to be honest. <laughs> uh, you know, when you look back on it now, I mean, I'm I'm not going to ask you when everybody was writing about Lu- Luis Arias possibly hitting 400. And, but uh, how, did, how did you – how did – how do you kind of judge that deal now at the end of the season, maybe compared to the way you judged it at the beginning of the season in the middle of the season? 
Well, as you guys can imagine, we were colossally unpopular when we made that trade. And I, I think what we try to do and trying to approach our jobs is well, we're not in this for a popularity contest. We're not trying to just survive. These jobs are awesome. I'd love to be in it as long as possible. But we genuinely felt like that was an opportunity for our franchise to improve. And, and I think Miami felt the exact same way at the time. Like they were in need of a guy, a guy who could lead their team potentially lead their the league and on base percentage and batting average. And it was the type of player that they needed to set the table for them. And similarly in, in Pablo Lopez, we, we needed a top of the rotation arm. Like we've been in the playoffs a few years running. Uh, we, we have had a real tough time matching up with the rest of the American league in terms of the best of the best in the starting rotation. And so we just knew we needed that player to elevate our, our chances of winning in the postseason, which is, something that we're really focused on as a franchise right now. So I think you said it exactly right. Like, I think when we made that deal, we expected it to be a win-win. Uh, we, we thought we were trading away one of the best hitters in the, in the game right now. And what we were hopeful is we, we were getting exactly the pitcher who Pablo Lopez has been. I, I think as we look back, like in terms of these types of deals, usually one side feels like they really bested the other side. I, I think both feel like they got exactly what they expected out of the players they acquired it was a little tough sell in our in our marketplace because, as you guys can imagine, uh, Louis a little bit of a unicorn. His batting average is so exceptional. He was so popular in our marketplace, but equally as important, so popular in our clubhouse. So when we lost him, I think there was a void to be filled there. But to the extent you guys have been around Pablo Lopez, tremendous pitcher, but great in the community, great in the clubhouse. He's worked hand-in-hand hand with Sonny Gray and kind of being the leadership of our pitching staff, both on the field but equally as important in the clubhouse. So I, I think it's been a win-win. I think it will be a win-win for years to come. And I think those are the types of trades that, like, you don't see too often in the game, but hopefully will be, beget more opportunities for us to make trades like that in the future. Yeah, and, and as, a, as a Twins fan, I have to admit that one of the thoughts that went through my mind was, oh, Rod Carew was traded for, to, to the L.A. Angels. That was one of the thoughts I had when I heard you'd made that deal. Well, I, I will tell you at the uh, trade deadline, when somebody, some team out there called and said, hey, would you trade Edward Julian? We're like, hey, uncle, we, we can't trade Carew, Arias, <laughs> and Julian. Like, if, if you hit over 300 for our team, you're destined to be traded. So we said we're just going to have to go hard stop there. We don't even want to hear what the offer would be. That I, I really do believe that really good teams this time of the year have edge, right? They just have that when they walk on the field. They know they're going to kick your butt. You, you guys have sort of solidified your spot. How do you keep that edge part going down the stretch here just to keep right? You're going to give some guys some days off. You're going to skip some guys to make sure they're raring and ready to go. How do you keep that edge for your team? Well, I, and I think exactly what you're talking about there is something we talk to our team about a lot, which is the notion of like good teams go through a cycle psychologically of what their expectations when they come to the ballpark. You start off like hoping you can win, and then you start believing you can win, and then you expect to win. And I think our franchise for the last three to four years has lived somewhere between hoping you can win and believing you could win. And I think we've shifted our mindset now to somewhere between believing we can win and expecting you can win. And I think some of that is born out of tremendous veteran leadership. Carlos Correa, Byron Buxton, Max Kepler, Jorge Polanco, those guys have done such a nice job. And then we've complimented them with additional veterans, guys who've won elsewhere where, where they've played, guys like Michael A. Taylor who's won a World Series, and Donovan Zolano has been in, in winning situations, and Kyle Farmer who spent time with the Dodgers and Reds in a lot of winning situations. And I think that helped out a lot. And then candidly, I think what's been 
the fuel for our our tank really has been this this upsurge of younger players who candidly don't know better that they're supposed to be intimidated by teams like uh, you know like the Toronto Blue Jays and Houston Astros and New York Yankees they're just coming up and playing the game uh, guys who have won throughout the minor league system and I think that's just their expectation when they go to the ballpark is that something good's going to happen so I think it's been that blend for us we really are a balanced team uh, veteran and, and young, and I think they're feeding off each other right now, hopefully getting healthy at the right time uh, with a chance to peak in October. I was going to say, now, you, 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 you talked about about Carlos Correa, Byron Buxton. Those are, are health concerns for you. I, I think you, I believe you're getting Brock Stewart back tonight, which will certainly help off, off the 60-day IL. How difficult is it, <clears throat> pardon me, how difficult is it at this time of the year to – you know, to sort of to, to judge what is healthy and what isn't healthy, I guess, right? Because mm-hmm. the playoffs are coming up. Everybody wants to play. Everybody wants to play. Yeah. How, how difficult is it to do with the minor league season done? Um, you know, and I guess maybe an extension of that, the fact that you guys have clinched the division does make it a little bit easier, right, to, to try to give these guys some playing time. Oh, I, I think you're highlighting probably the most difficult aspect of us evaluating talent that exists in the game right now, which is, I think everyone's building models and systems that help predict players' performance, but we're, we still don't have a great handle on predicting injuries and then also predicting guys' pain thresholds. So what one guy can play through in Excel, another guy can't play through at all. And so I think, I think that's really the art of managing the, the, the staff, and I think that's where Rocco Baldelli and our training staff do an excellent job, is you got to know these guys, and you got to know when you can push them, and you got to know the distinction between being hurt and being injured. Uh, but I think the other point you brought up, which is we're, we're in a fortuitous situation where we're able to be a little bit more cautious with our players right now. Uh, candidly, you know, there are a few guys that we, we have who we are hopeful will come back, yet to be determined whether they will, but we're content giving them a little time down right now with the hope that that could really maximize their chances of being available for the first round of the playoffs or at least at the second round and, and moving forward. So I think it's, I think it's an art form. Uh, it's more art than science to understand really when you can push a guy, when a guy's 75% is better than the alternative versus when, when it is not. And the guys that you know, you can have play through a little discomfort or pain, but I, I would say, objectively, I'd be hard-pressed to think that there's any player who's playing right now who is not a little bit infirmed because the 162 is a grind, and I think these guys are doing the best they can to get through it, and a lot of it right now is on on, on some energy and some adrenaline that's flowing through these guys' body, but uh, they all could use a breather right now. We're fortunate enough to be able to give a few of our guys breathers right now and hope to get them back by October. You mentioned it's nice to have people think about your organization, you know, as it's going to be a tough out. You don't want to face them. For me, that always starts with a true number one. Sonny Gray, I got to be honest with you. When I watch him play, you know, he's got no undershirt. It's hot. Like it's, you know, he's got like only two of those buttons buttoned up. Like it's, it's a show out there. And then you see the four ERA, Sonny Gray. And then you see the dude that's with you who's under three ERA. Thad, what's he done to be that guy, right? It's got to be nice to know that you got Pablo Lopez and, and, and Joe Ryan. But to have Sonny Gray sort of that predictability where whenever time he takes the ball, he's going to give you a chance. That's kind of nice. What, what have you seen from him? 
Well, I, I think it started first day of spring training with Sonny. So this is his second year with us. We acquired him from the Cincinnati Reds when we acquired him before the 2022 season. I think admittedly he didn't have as much time to prepare for that season as he did for this season. So what we saw when he walked through the doors this spring training was just a different player, a different focus, a different intensity. But then he also took it out to our, our pitching staff. So he was the guy who established that all of our starting pitchers were going to watch each other, throw pens, do PFPs and stay together doing everything so they could learn from one each other, one another. They could critique each other. They could hopefully push each other to heights they never thought they could achieve. So I think he walked through the door this this year with an intensity, but also with a leadership commitment uh, that really transcended what we had seen out of him before. And I, you know, not knowing him earlier in his career, when you reference the four ERA, like certainly noted that this is one of the best years of his career. I'm not surprised he's having it based upon the work he put in this offseason. But his focus has never ebbed throughout the course of the season. It's, it's maintained at an extremely high level. And I think it's been healthy for him to be around a guy like Pablo Lopez, who I don't know what, where they'll end up. You, you guys have one yourself and Kevin Galsman, and I'm sure there'll be some other uh, votes that will spread out through through that vaunted starting rotation. But we've got two guys that we think will finish in the top you know, five, six in the in the Cy Young, and I think they pushed each other throughout the course of the year. They've elevated the level of play of guys like Joe Ryan, who is you know entering his second year in the big leagues, as well as Bailey Over, another young youngster who's towed the rubber a lot for us this year. And I think it's exactly what we'd hoped for when we when we acquired those two pitchers is guys that not only give you a chance to win every fifth day when they're out there, but they really genuinely elevate the, the level of excellence and the standards of play for the rest of the pitching staff. And I think we've just seen the whole group get better as a result of having guys like Sonny Gray and Pablo Lopez in our, in our staff. That how, how this time of the year for you, what you do for a living, how do you enjoy this? Like, what do you do to just have fun and step back and enjoy sort of the process and, and what you've done to, you know, the Minnesota Twins, pretty good. And you had a big part of that. Can you have fun and enjoy it this time of the year? Well, I, I, I'm reminded almost on a daily basis from my 13-year-old son and my uh, my aging father that I could be doing more to be helping the team out. So I, I'm kept humble by those two guys, <laughs> my two biggest critics. But, but you know, guys, all, all joking aside, the uh, what, what we were able to do the other night, which was clinch, uh, this franchise had not clinched at home since 2010, or I should say the last time we did it was 2020, but there were no fans in the stands. So this was the first time since 2010 that our fan base had seen their team clinch at home. They'd always clinched on the road. So I think sharing that moment with the fan base and seeing the electricity uh, in the stands that day, you know, really brings home what we're doing this for. Uh, you know, I think you, you speculate as to what that's going to be like, but just that it was palpable, the energy in the stands, the enthusiasm from the, the fan base. And like, it makes it all worthwhile when you, when you see that and you see just the genuine joy on people's faces, young and old people who hadn't seen that for quite some time. So I think that's what it brings home to me, just all the hard out, the, the long hours, the hard work, you know, a lot of the failure along the way, like it really is special in those moments when you see how many people are just genuinely elated when the, when the team performs like it did. And, that, and, then, and part of that constituency is also our team, you know, seeing that in the clubhouse, seeing the, the genuine expression when they're, when they're celebrating, it's not something you are entitled to do. I, I always say to people like, this is the one time in life I'd say, Certainly don't act like you've never been there before because you never know when you're going to be back there. Don't don't compose. Don't be composed. Go just let your hair down and, and go have some fun because, you know, in this in this game, it's it's a grind. It's grueling. 
we're not entitled to celebrate every year. When you get the chances, just don't miss on them. And I think our fans really led the charge for us, and then it just extended to our clubhouse. Very cool. Dad, thanks so much for doing yeah. this, man. Congratulations, and uh, keep it going. Awesome. And we may, we may well, be talking again. Yeah, hope so. We look, we look forward to it. Ton of respect for your squad. It would be great to face off with you guys. Awesome. It would be. Take care. See ya. Dad Levine, a senior VP and GM of the Minnesota Twins. Twins home records, 45 and 33, 12 games over. Yeah, they really got everything. You know, it starts with a, uh, with a number one. I think they have that. Sonny Gray sort of, I'm assuming that's who yes. would yeah. get the ball in game one. It, he would sort of solidify that, right? It's, you know, he brings a little attitude. He's not afraid to pitch in. He's got stuff. You know, he does not, he can throw a fastball and a fastball count to a fastball hitter, which, you know, occasionally you're going to have to know, you're going to have to do that. There's just sometimes, it's like Kevin Gosman, right? Sometimes he can know it's coming. I know I have to throw it, and I'm going to have to throw it by him. So I do think they have that part of it taken care of. The hitting part of it's a little surprising to me. They do they do strike out a ton, but they do hit a bunch of homers. So whoever gets them added with the weather, and I want to make that as an excuse, but it's a thing. Yeah, right? and, gonna, you know your batting gloves are going to be thicker. Oh, you're going to wear a thicker undershirt. Like it's a thing. A lot of a lot of it too de- depends when it comes to Minnesota. Frankly, with 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 the uh, with the time of the game as well. Um, yeah, it would help. You know, will, a, will it be an I'm early, sure be early, an early after, no, I'm sure. an early afternoon game uh, versus a uh, versus a night game? And yeah, it's I mean, rare the Jays get prime time games. Well, it's not just it's yeah. it's, mo- it's mostly the 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 U.S. market they're in. Now, Tampa's a pretty big TV market, mm-hmm. so I would think there's a chance that uh, that might be the game. Houston's also a big, uh, obviously a big TV market, but. Um, yeah, I. Uh, they're just yeah, yeah. I, I I meant that when I said to Thad, the, the biggest impediment to the Twins has been the Yankees. I mean, they just they cannot beat the Yankees. They cannot beat the Yankees in the postseason. Um, I I just think they're I think they're a dangerous. Team. I think they can get left-handed too with their lineup, which will be yes. tough on right-handed pitchers. Right. I mean, the Blue Jays rotation doesn't have a bunch of dudes who throw really hard. Did, it's it's setting them up. It's being smarter than that guy. It's uh, you know it's it's changing speeds. It's throwing in to set up a breaking ball mm-hmm. away. It's not overpowering. Bassett can't throw a fastball on a fastball count. Barrios can't do that either, yeah. right? They rely on late movement and some trickery and you know the the breaking ball and odd fastball counts. So. Yeah, and those lefties, they'll add a little something to, okay, it's one after another. They mm-hmm. ain't sprinkling them out. It's like six in a row. Yeah. And you better be on top of your game right to both sides of the plate, and you can elevate the fastball. So uh, they're a threat. Like, it's a, it's going to be a battle. Did you think when that deal was made that they were going to regret trading Luis Reyes? No, I think Pablo that's exactly Lopez? what they had to do. Sometimes it's like a Band-Aid, right? you got to pull that thing off. Well, and the thing they is, had enough hidden. Uh, unlike Toronto, I mean, they haven't been able to land free agent pitching for the most part, right? They've gone out. They've had to trade for Sonny Gray. They've had to trade for Pablo Lopez. I think, I think they saw <laughs> what was going on around them in their division. Yeah. And they said, the window's now. And yeah. we have Sonny Gray, who's a number one. We need a number two. Yeah. You know, or a 1B. I mean, if you want to say it that way, 1A, 1B, you can say that. And you got to give up something to get something. And, you know, you went with pitching and defense and an occasional homer. And they're starting to do those kind of things. I ain't saying that they're the best team in the American League. But when you have good pitching and you can hit some homers yeah. and you really got nothing to lose. Like, it's not like they're going into this thing playing the Yankees. It's somebody else. So they've really got nothing to lose. It's going to be free and easy. 
See ball, hit ball, throw strike one. Eh. Yeah. Take your chances. Uh, yeah, we uh, appreciate that, Levine. That's all. Us. He's always great with us. Like he he, well, he he's like an twins. open book, and because I'm a Twins fan, he knows. Uh, that's not why he's great, great. but it's. I mean, he, he is. You can tell. You can see why their organization is where it's at, and will be consistent. You would think at being really good, and that's the point, right? You can be good a year. How do you be good for four, yeah. five, six years in a row? And I think with Thad there, just understanding, getting the feel, knowing that you have to have experience with youth mix them together gets everybody fired up i'll teach you how to hit a fastball when the lights are the brightest or lay off that breaking ball if you teach me how to be young all year it's sort of like that right i want to be young like him and run around the bases and swing hard and i think that's kind of cool so yeah it's a it's a big deal right yeah no it's um yeah i just i I just keep thinking back that trade you know i i was how many teams have – well, actually, as a matter of fact, when Rod Carew was traded, he had just won the Yale batting title that year and was traded to 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 the California Angels. I wonder how many dudes have been traded after winning a batting title. Yeah, I don't think he's an impactful <clears throat> bat. That That's what the – It wasn't easy, enough for, it for, was the, the easy, for the Marlins. It was the easy part to yeah. say he ain't going to hit 50 doubles. He'll hit 240 singles. Yeah. I can give away with that – and yep. add a number 1B or 2, however you want to call Pablo, and you can to the see, mix. And It'll you can make our the team Marlins. better and, and give us a chance in October. Which And you can see the Marlins' point of view, too, because they have a, an awful time scoring runs. They had a chance to add some offense. They thought they were – I mean, I, I've got to think they thought that Sandy Alcantara would stay healthy. Um, but, yeah, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a ballsy deal to make, man. Well, it makes it easier because you got Pablo Lopez back, and he had a good year. Yeah. Like he's he's helped out a lot. Yeah, and he pitches really, really well at uh, Target Field. Look at pitch in there. Got to have guts. Got to know how to do it. They know how to do it. Seven oh seven is the first pitch tonight from the Rogers Center. It is the first of three against the New York Yankees. Blair and Barker will be back tomorrow from five to seven Eastern. Blair and Barker will also be doing Blue Jays talk tonight following the Jays game against the New York Yankees. No Aaron Judge in the lineup for the Yankees. Brandon Belt is back in the lineup for the Blue Jays. Enjoy the baseball. We'll talk later, or we'll talk again tomorrow.